Good morning. If you would be taking your Bibles and turning with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 42 through 47 this morning as we continue walking through our our series on Acts that we've titled, Now What? Jesus uh, has died on the cross in our place. He has risen again. He has ascended to the Father. We, we believe that this has happened, so now what? what do we, where do we go from here? This morning we're going to look in Acts chapter 2 and see a picture uh, of the healthy church and really of a, of a healthy Christian. Health is a, is a big deal in our culture, isn't it? Seems like every time you turn around there's a, a new health uh, wave coming through, you know, whether you turn on the TV or, you know, get on Facebook and one of your friends is telling you that you ought to buy this from them because if you do, you're going to look awesome tomorrow. And, you know, there's always someone selling you something that's going to make you healthy overnight. I know, I guess it's been about a month or so ago, I, I came across a, a former NFL offensive lineman. His name's Joe Thomas. I don't even know if y'all, y'all remember Joe Thomas, but anyway, I just came across his Twitter feed and he had this picture of before and after. You know, and he was talking about how he'd gotten in shape and how he'd lost all this weight. And I said, man, it looks good. And he's like, oh, yeah, you got to try my new diet. It's this keto diet. And I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds really good. And so you read through what the keto diet consists of. And it's, you know, eating only certain types of food, only meat, I think. And you intermittent fast so you don't eat after 5 or before 11. And you go through his list of all the different things he does. And you exercise a lot. And so, like, when you boil down his diet and he says, now this won't work unless you eat right and you exercise. I'm like, next, right? That's every single diet. They have all these different things. They're like, oh, do this, do this, do this. But when you really pull it down, they say, now, if you don't eat right and you don't exercise, this won't work. Well, duh, like everybody knows that. So basically what we end up learning is there's no magic formula. There's nothing that's going to make you uh, healthy overnight. It's just not going to happen. If it was that easy, we'd all have six-packs, right, and nice guns and skinny waist. It's not that easy, though. If it was, we would all be in shape. We'd all be healthy. The same thing's true. You know, like, just think about sports teams. Which sports teams are really good? Are they the ones with the best strategy? You know, they have the best plays and all of that? No. Like, it doesn't, it, or most athletic, it doesn't matter if you can dunk from the free throw line if you can't make a layup and hit free throws. Like, it, it really doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you can run a 4240 if you can't catch the ball. We have the best defensive scheme ever if your guys can't tackle. It, it takes more than just simply strategy to be healthy or to be successful. This is true across the entire spectrum of our experience in life. If you're going to be healthy and you're going to be successful, you have to be good at the basics. You have to be good at doing the basics of what you're supposed to do. And so if it's physical health, personal health, or just overall success you got to be good at the basics the the simple things the same thing's true for the church and for christians and so what does a healthy church look like what does a healthy christian look like and so that's that's what we're going to talk about this morning as i was preparing this sermon and preparing my heart for this morning studying this passage this week I, i just came across the realization guys when we talk about a healthy church we're talking about a group of healthy christians I know this may sound crazy to you, but you cannot have a healthy church without healthy Christians. If the Christians that make up a group of people who call themselves the church aren't walking with Jesus, the church is going to be unhealthy. It doesn't matter what strategy you have. It doesn't matter if you change your location or your building or your leadership. 
If you, as God's people, are not healthy, the church will never be healthy because you are the church. And so as we come to Acts chapter 2 this morning, we ask ourselves, what does a healthy Christian look like? Because we want to see the picture of a healthy church. They, they go hand in hand. And so let's look at Acts chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that we get this opportunity and this privilege to share together in it. God, I pray that you'd make our time together fruitful. God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, that you would not allow me to get in your way. God, not allow all of our distractions that we brought in with us to get in our way, get in your way. But God, that we'd be able to view the world around us through the lens of the gospel. God, that we'd be able to hear from you this morning. Lord, you tell us that if we ask you uh, for the Holy Spirit, you will grant it. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and fill us, help us to know you more, empower us to do the work that you've called us to do. God, help us to, to obey you and, and to serve you and to worship you through our understanding and hearing and the preaching of your word. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so the, the first thing I want us to notice here is that this group of this healthy church is a devoted church. You notice what Luke begins with. They devoted themselves. Devoted is this funny word that we don't hear a whole lot anymore. Devotion is something that has sort of gone by the wayside in our, our world today. And so I just, I want you to understand what I mean when I say devoted. I mean set aside for a specific purpose. I remember uh, one church I was at, there was an older gentleman in the church, and I was saying, hey, Brother Bill, can I come by? Uh, he, was our, he was our church treasurer. I said, can I come by and visit with you this afternoon? And he said, that would be great, as long as it's not between one and three. And there's a reason that one and three were off limit. Between one and three was off limits. He had devoted that time to something else, nap time. And so there was nothing else he wanted to do during that time. It was devoted to that specific purpose. And so when Luke says here that they were devoted, he means that they were devoted to a specific purpose. We saw this morning in the video, we were reminded that there are so many young men and women who have devoted themselves to the service of our country to the point of even paying the ultimate sacrifice. They had devoted themselves to doing what was necessary to secure our freedom and serve our, our nation. The devotion isn't just being set aside, though. It also, it means effort. It means actually trying and putting effort into it. You, you don't get, I have a this isn't original with me. I'm sure you've probably seen it on something, but I have a workout cup I look at sometimes when I think about going to the gym. I haven't actually motivated me yet, but it says, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. And it's this reminder that just because you want something doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen. There's actually effort that takes place. When you're devoted, you're going to put out effort because whatever you're devoted to is going to take priority. It means putting whatever it is you're devoted to first. That's why most diets don't work. It's really hard to stay devoted long-term to keto chips and grapefruits, right, before you just snap. Devotion means this long-term commitment and priority to something. And, and so when you devote yourself to something, you're going to give it your all. You're not going to let it go until you get it. And so this, this healthy church is a devoted church. There's a couple of things here that Luke mentions that they were devoted to. First, they were devoted to the preaching of the Word. 
He says that they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. When they got together, what they did was study God's word. When they went home, they studied God's word. They, they, they were devoted to knowing what God wanted for them. They were devoted to knowing who God is and what he has commanded and what he expects and what he has done. This first step here is important. Guys, how can we know who God is and what he expects from us if we're not devoted to his word? How can we know this? And, and not only uh, on an organization level, like when we gather as a church, if we're not devoted to the preaching of the word, we have a problem. His word is how we learn who he is and what he calls us to. His word is what he uses to change us through the power of his spirit. When we're at home, we are called to be devoted to his word, to hearing his word and then obeying his word, to learning and understanding his word. So the discipline of studying the word of God marks the lives of those who are healthy believers and those who are part of a healthy church. So there's a devotion to the preaching of the word. There's also a devotion to the fellowship. It says, and, they were de- and to the fellowship. So they were devoted to fellowship or to the partnership of the gospel. I, I expanded that out a little bit because when we see the word fellowship, I, I know for me, my mind goes to chicken dinner, right? Maybe some of y'all were thinking, oh man, I am hungry, right? But no, when he says here that they were devoted, he doesn't mean covered dish potlucks. What he's talking about is that they were focused on partnering together to get the gospel out. It's the same idea that, that Paul talks about in uh, Philippians 1 when he says that he is thankful for the Philippians' partnership or their fellowship in the gospel. The, this koinonia, this, the, this idea that we are partnered together to serve the Lord. They're seeing the gospel go to the ends of the earth. We are called to be devoted to the partnership. A, devoted, a healthy church is a, is a devoted church. This isn't just for one or two. This is for all of us. I shared uh, last Sunday night, and I'll share again. Um, when you leave here today, you may, you know, stop by Walmart, and I guarantee you, you're going to think in your mind, why do they have a thousand registers and one cashier? And you're going to say to yourself, they need to get more cashiers. And you would be right, but because you're a customer. But when you're a part of God's church and you're a member of His church, you don't say, they need to get more cashiers. You say, hey, I'm going to jump on a register because you're devoted to the partnership. You're a part of the mission. You're not an observer. You're not a consumer. You are part of the church. You are not talking about the church. You're talking about yourself. It's not they, it's we. A healthy church is devoted to partnership in the gospel, not devoted to telling other people what they ought to be doing. That's, that's not how it works. It, if, if you expect just me to do everything, it's not going to work. If you expect just Jonathan to do everything, it's not going to work. If you expect only the deacons to do everything, it's not going to work. There has to be a common fellowship and a common purpose of serving Christ in order to see the Lord honored and the, and the mission accomplished. And so there's a, a devotion to the partnership. There's a devotion to the Lord's Supper. It says that they were breaking bread. You may also say that there was a devotion to remembering Jesus. There's a, a memorial within the Lord's Supper. When they, when they gather together, most, most commentators, and a lot of commentators and scholars feel like when Luke says here that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, then, and to the fellowship and then to the breaking of bread, what he's referring to here is that they, when they gathered, they took the Lord's Supper. Now, while we don't take the Lord's Supper every time we gather, we, we do remember who the Lord is. Remember what the Lord's Supper's purpose is. The Lord's Supper's purpose is 
is to remind us who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and that he's coming back for us. Every time we gather, we should be reminded of the fact that we are, we, we are joined together through the gospel of Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. We ought ne never to forget that we are to be reminded of who Christ is, that he died for us, that he rose again, and that he's coming back. And so be reminded this morning of who Christ is, that the healthy church is devoted to remembering Jesus, to, to serving him and remembering who he is. And then the devoted church is devoted to prayer. It says here, and to the prayers. They, they did not simply pray when they felt like it. They did not simply pray when they had extra time. They didn't simply pray when they had a hard thing that they were going through, a difficult time. No, they, they prayed constantly. They were devoted to prayer. I'll never forget one of the most convicting things I, uh, I've ever heard. A professor of ours was, was teaching us on prayer uh, when I was in school. And, and he said, you know, a lot of times we end up allowing Satan to dictate our prayer list. He said, we, we don't pray until something bad happens. We don't pray for young couples who are married until their marriage gets in trouble. We don't pray, you know, for the church until something begins to, to happen, conflict breaks out in the church. We don't, we don't pray for our community until there's this disaster. We don't pray for the safety and the, the upbringing of our children until something comes into their lives. So quit, quit allowing Satan to dictate your prayer life. Instead, be devoted to prayer, serving the Lord through praying constantly. There should be a commitment to praying. And so the healthy church is a devoted church. Also, a healthy church is a working church. I, I know if y'all are looking at the, the outline on the back of the bulletin, you're probably a little worried. Huh? I, I've, uh, Jonathan, he, when I sent him the outline, he's like, there's no way you're making it. We're going to make it, guys. Don't worry. We're already 10% uh, through, so we're, we're doing good. <laughs> or one-sixth, right? Uh, a healthy church is a working church. Luke says here that awe it came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. You say, what does that have to do with working? What does this have to do with serving? Hear, hear me out. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, this is what Jesus says. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now it's true that when we look at Acts 2, we don't necessarily see the same things always happening in our life. These these great wonders and signs that were causing people to glorify God. That's absolutely true. We don't, we don't see that as much anymore. But what we can still see is doing good works to serve those around us and seeing them glorify our Father who's in heaven. And so the same result can take place in, a, in a, the life of a healthy believer in a healthy church. Good works implies what? Work. It implies doing something. In Ephesians 2, when Paul is walking through the history of salvation, he comes to verse 10 and he says that, he, that we should walk in the good works that God has prepared for us ahead of time. That when he saves us, he has good works in mind. And when we walk in those good works, guess what happens? The world around us takes notice. They begin to be in awe and, and wonder at, at God's glory working through our lives. They're like, man, those people actually care when there's nothing in it for them. Those people actually serve when there's nothing in it for them. A, a healthy believer in a healthy church is going to be a, a working church. Also, he says here that all who believed, here in verse 44, he says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. A healthy church, number three, 
I told y'all, it's going quicker than you thought, isn't it? A healthy church is a united church. I won't tell you the secret until the end, but uh, here in just a minute. But uh, a healthy church is a united church. He says here that they were together and had all things in common. They had a common goal, a common purpose, a common focus. They were on mission for the Lord, and it showed. They were about the same business. They were about doing the same thing, about accomplishing the same purpose. Guys, we, we can never be a healthy Christian or a healthy church if we are out of fellowship or in disunity uh, with God's people. It's not going to happen. A, a church that is not unified will never be a healthy church. You think about Ephesians 4 when Paul was talking about the body and about the way that we serve one another and the way that God has designed the church. He says that when the body is, is knit together and everybody, every part of the body is doing what they're called to do, that's when the, the body begins to grow and flourish. It's impossible to be healthy if you're walking around and your hand is slapping your face, right? And then so when he describes the body, that, uh, the tr describes the church as a body, that's what he means. We all have different roles and different purposes, but we all have the, uh, the same, our different roles within the same purpose. We all uh, are called to the same purpose, even though we have different roles. Let me see, see if I can say that right. And so a healthy church is a united church, serving the, the common goal, common purpose, common mission. Fourthly, a healthy church is a giving church. It says here that they, they gave to all as any had need. There's this radical generosity that comes out of this group of people who are healthy. They truly love one another to the point that they begin to serve one another through giving to all those who had need. They're, they're not worried about giving. They're, this generosity is beginning to flow out of their love for Christ and for one another. And so a, a healthy Christian is going to be a giving Christian. Someone who gives to the Lord. Someone who gives to the fellowship. Someone who gives to serve the, uh, in the purposes of Christ and to serve those around them. And so a healthy church is a giving church. Number five, a healthy church is a gathering church. You, you notice what Luke says about this group of people here. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. You notice that they are gathered together. They're gathered for a couple of different purposes here. First, they're gathered to worship, and then they're also gathered to eat. See, there is a reason to eat fried chicken in the Bible. They, they gathered and they joined. Well, I don't know if they were eating fried chicken back then, but you get the idea. I, maybe they were. Who knows? I, no, they weren't. I'm just kidding. But, but so they were, they were gathering not only to worship, but to eat. They were fellowshipping together around the table, but they were also gathering in the temple daily to worship. They were gathering together to worship. Let me share with you what the, the author of Hebrews says about this. There's a reason that we gather to worship. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I don't know if you are aware of this or not. I mean, I'm surely... You are, but it's something I have to be reminded of on a regular basis. When, when we see here the purpose of gathering together is to stir one another up for good works and to encourage one another. And nowhere here does it say show up so that you can have your preferences met and so that you can have your needs met. Now that will happen in a healthy church because we will be serving one another. The problem is in an unhealthy situation, what you have happen is people begin to show up for their own needs. 
And they begin to show up expecting their own preferences met. And it becomes about them. Church ultimately is not about us. Gathering on Sunday morning is ultimately not about you getting what you want. I know that's a, a shocker, but it's actually about worshiping Christ, worshiping God for what he has done. It's about encouraging one another and stirring one another up to serve the Lord. It's about finding ways to encourage other believers and to serve other believers and then to serve those who don't know Christ. It's not ultimately about what we can get out of it. If, what, if our purpose for gathering together is, uh, well, I'm not showing up because I'm not going to get anything from it. Well, you're missing your purpose. Your purpose in gathering is to serve others, not to serve yourself. When we begin to serve ourselves, that's where we begin to see, you know, the, the problems and the, and the backbiting, things like that. It's, it's impossible, guys. It is impossible to be healthy as a believer when we're not committed to the gathering together of God's people. This is why, if we go back to the unity, it's it, why unity is so important. It's really hard to be encouraging and, and in serving one another and, and stirring one another up to good works when there's not unity. That's why Paul says to reject someone after just a few warnings who is divisive. It, it, the goal isn't to have everybody happy because when you have divisive people, what do they do? Well, they tear the body apart. And so the goal is to be unified so that we can encourage one another and lift one another up to serve the Lord. And so this church gathered. They, it's not like they gathered on accident. They gathered purposely. They didn't gather with the other believers when they felt like it. And they didn't have anything else better going on. No, they were committed to serving the Lord through worshiping with other believers. <clears throat> and so then we come to the last aspect of a healthy church. A healthy church is a growing church. I don't think it's any accident the way that Luke lays this, uh, this list out of what the early church did. He begins with the Word, and he, he works through what the Word does to God's people, and he ends with their growth. I know a lot of you have probably planted gardens, and you're watching those gardens be healthy and grow and, and multiply. We, we didn't even try this year because we do not have what it takes to create a healthy garden. There are certain levels of sunlight and miracle grow and, other, and TLC that we just can't give it. And so, you know, we thought, why even put those poor plants through that, through that misery We're, and ourselves through that misery? We'll, we'll go take Dad's food. That'll be fine. We'll get his, we'll get his tomatoes. They'll be ready in time. But, but it, the difference between a growing garden and a healthy garden and a healthy plant and an unhealthy plant is the, these different factors that play in. The soil, the, the sunlight, the water, the, the, the food, all those different things play into it. The same is true with a, a growing church and a growing Christian and the, these things that we just read about. And so look at how they begin to grow. Look at verses 46 uh, and verse 47. <clears throat> they receive their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so this healthy, growing church, they're growing in a couple of different ways here. First, they're growing in gratitude and gladness. They're growing in gratitude and gladness and generosity. They're, they're healthy as Christians, and as they're healthy as Christians, they're happy. They're joyous. That they're, they're showing this gratitude. They're showing a, a, a gratitude for all that God has done. They're glad for what God has done. And as they're glad for what God has done, they begin to be generous and share with one another out of the overflow of their hearts. Not because someone is making them, but because Christ has saved them and redeemed them and saw fit to save them out of this crooked and perverse generation. 
And guys, when we're a healthy believer in a, in a healthy church, we're going to grow in gladness. We're going to grow in generosity and gratitude for what God has done for us. And, and so we, if you're struggling, maybe, maybe the reason you're struggling this morning is because you've forgotten what you have in the gospel of Christ. There's a gladness and a gratitude that comes out of this. Also, it says here that they, they grew in the favor with people. People take notice of all that's going on. As they love Christ and they serve Christ and they study the Word and they love one another, people begin to notice there's a difference about them. And they begin to want to have part of what they have. Now, now hear me out. This doesn't mean that every single person everywhere thought they, these people were amazing, right? I mean, the next chapter, we're going to see all of a sudden people start persecuting them and throwing them in jail and all sorts of things. So it doesn't mean everybody agreed with what was going on. It just means that the, the people on the outside were like, man, those people actually love one another. They actually care for one another. I, I read one guy who said that, that uh, he was in a different country, and these people didn't have a word for Christians. They were trying to describe this group of people who were following Christ. And he got the, they got to noticing that these people took care of each other. They watched after each other. They really loved one another, and so they started calling them the one another people. Wouldn't that be amazing for people to call us the one another people that care for one another? And then finally, this, this last mark here is that they begin to grow in number of salvations. And so we saw that in verse 47. Don't miss the first part of verse 47, though. It says that the Lord added to their number. We can only plow the field. We can only prepare the soil of our hearts and of the church. It's up to God to provide the increase. It's up to God to provide the growth. We can only do what he's called us to do. It is his church. It is, he is the one who is Lord. He is the one who is master. But we prepare our hearts. And we prepare the church through doing all that we can by being faithful to the basics. Being faithful to, to what God has called us to be. And the same thing is true uh, of, this, of the healthy Christian and the healthy church, of a healthy person. We can't go get on the keto diet and tomorrow be healthy. We, we can't go take this magical pill and be healthy. The same thing is true for believers. It takes real life discipline and effort on a regular basis to do what God has called us to do, to be devoted to his word, to be devoted to his people and his mission and his purpose, to prayer, to, to serving him. And as we do that, we begin to see him growing in us. We begin to see our gladness and our gratitude. And so the question I have for you this morning is, are you devoted? And are we devoted? Are we devoted to learning from God's word? Are we devoted to learning who God is and what God has done? Or does God's word and his teaching take a back seat to other things in your life? Does, it, does he get priority? Does his word get priority? Are you more concerned with the other stuff going on around you? Are you more concerned with the daily news cycle than you are what the, the king of heaven wants to show you? Are you devoted to his word? To remembering who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? Are you devoted to the partnership? Are you devoted to serving the Lord through sharing the gospel? And are you devoted to prayer? How much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do we corporately spend in prayer? Ask yourself this morning. Give yourself a checkup. Am I doing what God has called me to do? Am I truly committed to serving the Lord with my fellow believers? Am I truly committed to worshiping each week? Or am I just doing it when I feel like it? What if you treated your commitment at work the same way you treat your commitment to Christ and his church? Would you still be employed? Would you still have a job? If you told your boss, I think I'm going to show up when I feel like it. 
Do you attend weekly worship gatherings when you don't have anything better to do, or do you make them a priority? You find yourself growing and enjoying gladness this morning. And so we see here that day by day that people were being saved. They were being saved at not just on Sunday morning, not just during the, the big service uh, as they all gathered. They were being saved day by day as people shared the gospel. Sometimes we think that the only time anybody can get saved is on Sunday morning during invitation. Actually, it's more likely that as you share the gospel on Monday morning with that person you work with, they're going to come to know Christ as you have a relationship with them. Like if they don't know me, I'm just some stranger standing up here talking about stuff they don't understand. You're somebody who has a real-life relationship with them, and you can show them the way that the gospel has changed you. When's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? And there's a couple of ways to do that, guys. I, I, I love what one guy described it as. He said there's some folks who are more Philip-type evangelists and some folks who are more Andrew-type evangelists. There's a, the Philip-type who go out and, you know, share from God's Word. They're very versed in the Old Testament, New Testament. They're able to present the gospel well and clearly. Someone who's really mature in the faith. And then there are others who are more Andrew-type. Come and see. Come and hear about Jesus. We need a little bit of both, right? We all need a little bit of both. Sometimes that's all you get a chance to do. Hey, come to church with me. I want, I want, you to, inter, I want to introduce you to some people who've been changed by Jesus. Then other times it's more appropriate to go out and share the gospel one-on-one, face-to-face. And so as you think through your devotion this morning, ask yourself, Lord, am I doing what you've called me to? Am I truly serving you? Am I truly seeking to be a healthy believer? Am I truly seeking to be who you've called me to be? Every week as I, I get ready to preach, I'm uniquely surprised by the way that God convicts me yet again and the way he reminds me yet again and just how far short I fall. And it, sometimes it can be overwhelming. And I, I don't know about you. I don't know if you look at this list and you're like, man, I got a list this long of all the things I could be doing better to serve the Lord. Join the club. So what do we do? How do we, how do we turn from that? Where, where do we go from here? Now what? Well, we remember the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ that says no matter who we are and what we have done, because of Jesus' blood, we can have forgiveness. We can have a cleansing of all of our unrighteousness. I was reminded of this yesterday. I was talking to Josiah. He'd gotten in trouble, and he was sitting there, and he was kind of upset. There's a little tear on his cheek, and he knows how to get his dad, right? I mean, he just, because I told him he was going to be grounded, and he's like, you know, I asked him if he wanted some breakfast. He said, Dad, I don't deserve breakfast. I'm not even going to eat lunch or dinner today, Dad. I don't deserve any of it. I've been terrible. And so, you know, he's got a flair for the dramatic at 10. But, but anyway, I, I mean, and so I, I began to talk with him. I was like, buddy, let's talk about this. So we started with Jesus. Just because you did something you weren't supposed to do, does Jesus love you? Has he forgiven you? Has he saved you? Yeah. And he's like, okay. That's like, well, the same thing with me. I've forgiven you. Because we were talking about grounded, and he just he absolutely did not want to be grounded. And I was like, you, you need to understand, the grounding is not because I'm angry at you. This is not because your mom and I are angry at you. This is to help you learn what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And the same thing is true for us, guys. God convicts us. You know, sometimes we talk about God stepping on our toes as we listen to his word. God doesn't stomp on your toe because he's mad at you. He stomps on your toe to get your attention. Say, hey, quit doing that. Do this over here. And so if you're under conviction, you feel like, man, God, what do I go from here? Go to him. 
He's not angry at you. If you're a Christian, go to him and say, Lord, forgive me. Give me the strength. Give me the grace to do what you've called me to. Change me. Guess what? He will. He says that he will give the Holy Spirit to any who ask. And if you're here and you're not a believer, Christ has died to offer you salvation. He's died to forgive you of all of your sins and give you a new heart and a new life. We're going to have a time of invitation. And during this, this time of invitation, if you've never put your faith in Christ, maybe during this time you could, you, you could just pray a prayer or something like this. Just, just tell him, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've fallen short. I know I'm not even close to who you want me to be. But I do believe that Jesus died in my place, and I want you to save me. I want you to forgive me. And if you pray that prayer, guess what will happen? He will save you. He will forgive you, and he will make you new. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness to your word. God, I thank you for your people. I pray that you would encourage and and lift up and stir up the good works this morning. God, that you would use our time together to glorify yourself through the way you change our lives and our hearts, the way that you make us new uh, through the gospel. God, I pray that you would convict hearts and change lives and change the the communities that we live in through the the, the change that you work in our hearts and in our lives. And God, I pray if there's any who don't know you, that they would come to know you even now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd stand with us, and as you stand, we're going to have a time of invitation. As I said, would you come if you prayed that prayer this morning?